Okay, so we are on week three of studying about. Roach Co. Who finished it? Finished the yeah. No, I read three chapters nine. I thought we were doing three chapters at a time. We are. I just didn't know if anybody, no. anyone finished it. Yeah. I read two chapters. I was really busy. I read like half of the book. I read two chapters. Two chapters of what you were supposed to or of the book? Yeah. Oh, okay. Because All right. I go home and then I go to bed. Mm -hmm. I read them the hour before I come so that fresh and then I come to church and then I go back to bed. We're minutes. Showers aren't important. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> okay. So what can you tell me about Bruce Olson? Why do we care about Bruce Olson? He was a Swedish guy who moved to America who was a. What 18. was he originally? Uh, Lutheran. Lutheran. And then he went to an Lutheran. Because his Lutheran church was like, that's not true. Because he liked. Okay. So, why do we care about this one guy who was a Lutheran? Because, because he changed. God. Gave him a calling to be a missionary in. Okay, there we go. Even though he was rejected in Colombia. So he went without any money to Venezuela. And he found Colombia. And he found Colombia. And he lived. Okay, what is a missionary? Okay. Yes. Where do we get that idea from? Which book? The Bible. Which book in the Bible? <laughs> Or if you don't remember that, what does it say at the end of the book? It is a gospel. It's a gospel letter. Go and spread, like Jesus says to go and spread the word to all the people of the land. It is Matthew. Okay. Spread the gospel. It's also after, oh yeah, it's after. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you the whole way, even unto the end of the world. Okay. Yes. I agree. What, briefly, because you need to know this, what does gospel mean? Good news. Yes, it does mean the good news. What's the good news, Natalia? Um, Jesus. Okay, yes. 
And yes, and he is coming again, and he is alive, right? Okay. <clears throat> so, um, nope, I'm on, not on my page with the review stuff on it. So, what did Jesus say was going to come along with following him? Well, sort of. Trials, that's good. There are going to be trials. But doesn't everybody have trials? Yes. Okay. What's specific to you being a Christian that will happen? Yes. Yes. That is true. But specifically, we looked at this. This, I'd have to go back to see the exact reference. But this is in John at the Last Supper what Jesus told his disciples would happen to them. Yes, okay. So if you called, um, along with that is, oops, not two O's, two L's. Following Jesus. Following Jesus, what comes along with that is you will be hated. By who? Everyone. No. Do I hate you, Phoebe? <laughs> I don't know. Am I everyone? Maybe. Logically, yes. Bye. Who will hate you? Think about it. What did you say? Okay, that's good. What is, alright, since you said atheist, what does atheist, that word, mean? They think God is real and they don't believe in it. Yes, but let's, A. It's like no anti higher no power, anti religion yes. type. I guess, because like theology is like the What's Theo the mean? belief in Theo. Yes. What's Theo mean? Oh. No. Theories. What's, what does a theologist study? Theories? No. If some people might say that, but religion is a way to approach God. That's what religion is. Yes, it means God. What does A mean when A is anti, before? Anti. Against, right? Anti. So you're, they're against God. Alright. What kind of spirit, so you're right, atheist, Satan, what kind of spirit is going to be in the world more and more as we approach the end times? Antichrist. There's a spirit of Antichrist in the world. So along with that spirit, because if people... Have you ever heard the word zeitgeist before? No. It's a zeitgeist. zeitgeist. Uh, I think it's Z-E-I-T-G-I-S-T. It, it's a... It sounds like it has the same ending. I'm sure it's similar. Zeitgeist is a German word that means the spirit of the age. You guys study about like 
I don't know, the 70s and like the hippie movement in school? No. Yes. Do you know about it? Yes. Audrey says yes. I know like, like peace signs. Yeah, peace signs. It was no war, everybody love each other. That was a zeitgeist, a spirit of the age. There was a certain movement that was going on. So, but overall, the zeitgeist or the spirit of the age more and more as we get to end times will just be summed up as anti-God or anti-Jesus. And you see this more and more and more with just things like, and just everything. You see that abortion is more accepted. You see that people want to change who they are born as. They want to be a different gender than God gave them. You see all these things that are more and more people shaking their fist at God. So if you are a follower of Jesus and people hate God, they don't like what he says, then they are going to be against you as well. So that's the first thing. What's the other thing though? This is the positive aspect that Jesus said. Eternal life. Okay, that's good, right? We Everybody wants that. Even people who aren't Christians, it's in your DNA as a human being, in your spirit, your spiritual to want to live forever. What about right now? What's it would be a thing that would be helpful to you throughout your life? If we know this is number one here, that Jesus said, if you follow me, this is the first thing that's going to happen. Get other people to follow you so then they can also be hated? Yes. Yay! Okay. Like have the knowledge to be able to like stand firm in your Yes. You're on the right track, but it's more simple than that. That's part of it that you will gain that, but it's a simpler thing that you will have if you are a follower of Jesus. <laughs> okay. What no, you guys are thinking about you having to do something, and that's not what it is. You looked at a verse in Romans last week. Um, see, I didn't write that down. Okay, yes, that's more, yes, but there's a promise. Okay, that he will take care of you. Do you remember... There's lots of things he says that I will be with you always. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And you guys read last week that all things work together for good. For who? Huh? God. No. No, well, obviously they do work. All things work. (laughs) towards God's plan, but all things work together for good for who? You. No. Closer. This is a very key part because people quote this verse, but they leave out this part. 
Oh, let me see if we I can find it quick because I didn't write down the reference. I know the answer, but I want you to read it. Romans 8, I think it is. Eight twenty-eight. Twenty-eight. Yep. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that who are called according to His purpose. Okay. I feel like we said that. Okay. Like, what's different though? You said for those who follow Him. They have to love Him too. This. Okay. For those who love Wait, Him. The very last part. Who are called according to his purpose. What does that mean? Missionary. According to his plan, will help you do it. Okay, you're... Yes. In so many words. People like to think, oh, I'm a Christian. I accepted Jesus into my life. All things will work together for good for whatever I'm doing. For whatever you're doing with the condition that it is in God's plan. Well, right, that you are following Him, right? You have to be doing what He is asking or what is in his overall grand plan, okay? There's lots of things in your life where you think, well, it'll work together for good that I get that car because that's the one I have in my mind. Or that I am gonna have that job in that state on that beachfront property all gonna work, but not so if that's not part of what God's plan for you is, okay? so. We like to think of that as, ah, that's our genie in the lamp kind of verse, but it's not that um, magical. It is that you have to be in step with Jesus. You have to be listening to the Spirit, His Spirit, in what He has for you to do, and then He will work things together for that. And it's going to be way better than your plan was. All right? So, those two things are what Jesus promised. And he, they're in that, uh, the book of John there, he puts those two things in a few verses. He puts them alongside of each other because he knows it's going to be hard. Now, what examples of these promises have we seen in Bruce's life already? When he had no money, right? It's one thing to find 10 bucks when you got 100 bucks in your pocket, right? Oh, and then he was given 100 bucks when he money. From this little Spanish kid. Right. Oh. No, no, he got help. His friends. friends. Yeah. The Langs, I think, right? There's this guy and then who's like, hey, the, you want to come Oh, yeah, the guy in uh, Colombia that got him out of the hotel into his house. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, the doctor that he just so happened to Yes, okay. Um, um, the donkey. Yeah, that's in the part you didn't read. Oh, yes. 
We haven't gotten there yet. What about the um, the bad things? Because you gave me a bunch of good things. The oh, you the can't he got he, he lost he got rejected many times. Okay, yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty awful, right? Well, all right. Hate its guts <laughs> is a little severe, but he may feel that way sometimes, right? Because of how how they act towards him. I mean. I don't know. Obviously, he's not telling us every single aspect of his life. He's giving us the highlights as it pertains to God's plan for him. But he certainly isn't adding in there that mom and dad wrote me a letter and sent me 50 bucks to help with the mission, right? And there's also the missionary people that like, were all mad at him in Colombia that didn't let him stay with them. Right. And that's even worse, right? Because they're supposed to be on his side. Oh, and the guy that didn't show up to the airport. Yeah, <laughs> it was disappointing to say the least, right? Okay, some of them don't, right, in that specific situation. Now, that sounds like a bad thing. And it is. But if you look at that, I know we haven't finished the book yet, but if you look at that in the context of all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose, how could that work for Bruce? He's observing missionaries work with Indians that he wants to work with, and he's seeing them do things that sort of work, but cause some big problems. He could learn from that, right? He had the opportunity to be there to witness that, and it really stuck in his mind. Okay. Because you can also learn from that. Yes. Sometimes you learn more from <laughs> bad examples than you do from good examples. Talk about that on Sunday. Yeah, good. Uh, yeah. All right. So, last week we had left off and he had just arrived in Caracas. In Venezuela, yep. Thus far he's only been in Venezuela and South America. Not Colombia. That's later. I don't think he's been in Colombia yet. Oh, so where was he? Wait, where? where did he fly into? I thought it was Colombia. Was it Bog Bogota? I think so. I yeah, that's Colombia. Okay, so he has been in Colombia. Sorry. Yeah, he goes okay. back and forth a lot. Okay. So, because he lit, it, it sent, the whole story centered right on the border. Okay. So he's in Venezuela. He's in Venezuela, and what is going on when he arrives? Before, before that, like literally when he arrives, he finds the um, boarding house or the way it's actually described, I would call it today what is called a hostel. Do you know what a hostel is? Some of you may not. It's kind of like for people who are eh, 27, 28 and younger, like college age kids. 
Yes, it's much more like that where they travel around a lot of times Europe, other countries, and it's basically a place where you can rent a bed in a room of like 20 beds and somewhere, and then there's like group, they're usually girls' rooms and boys' rooms. And then there's like community bathrooms that you can use and a community kitchen and it's very cheap because college students don't have a lot of money. And that's kind of what he lives in. So he finds the one that he was supposed to go to, a good one, because there are bad ones where you people rob you and all that kind of stuff. And the next morning he wakes up, steps out of the building. It's very dramatic. Close. Yeah, well, indirectly, there's bullets flying, and somebody right in front of them has their arm literally blown off, and there's blood gushing all over. And he, as many people do, and probably most of us would do, you kind of are like frozen, like, because of the shock of what just happened. And luckily, I think somebody. Make, brings him to his senses and he goes back inside and stays inside the rest of the day because there are riots going on in Venezuela and Venezuela is not I wouldn't say overall isn't probably too much different today it's still politically always in turmoil there are uh, factions that are fighting against each other all the time and to make it worse, the next day he wakes up and he has a fever, a 103 fever, and is very sick. Strangely enough, and amazingly, what does somebody do for him? Those of you who read it. Lucio. Lucio. He's kind of with the whole chapter. He's in it the whole chapter of that. Chapter 7. He helps him out and he, he does. He moves him up to his like bedroom. Yes, like he has a private room like, here. Yeah, and he's, he's a, a communist. He is a communist. So, total stranger calls a doctor for him, pays for the doctor. And pays for the medicine and like, and to help him. Pays for, uh, his yeah, once they kind of befriend each other, he br- pays for him. Pay, kind of pays his whole weight because he, until um, a little later on in the chapter, he doesn't even have a job or anything. And they get, they have an odd friendship, is the way that I would describe it. Um, not to this extreme, but I've had friends like that in before where you kind of have an unusual friendship. You're friends because of, maybe because of a situation, but once you're outside of that situation, you may not remain friends kind of a thing. And he actually at one time point tries to drown him. Lucio does. And because Lucio is a very big hothead and they have a lot of arguments because Lucio has extreme political ideas because he's a communist and Bruce is not really 
he comes from a capitalist background being from America, but that's not what he really cares about, but they do have conversations. And oddly, even more so is when Lucio, as he's not just does he believe in communism, but he also is trying to change Venezuela to be a or remain a communist country. And he has some success within the college government. But then his idol, which is communism, it's his savior for everything, for how to fix the world, fails. And he, his little communist uh, college student body kind of collapses. And he's very, feeling very desperate and questioning life and asking Bruce about, like, basically, what is the meaning of life? Like, and through them talking, Lucio actually becomes a Christian, which is pretty wild considering this guy is, uh, and essentially before was an atheist. Um, so Bruce, though, is still, just throughout all of this, has a prodding in the back of his mind. Something that the Holy Spirit keeps putting on his heart. Where did we see the beginning of this? Oh, when um, he was in college. Yes. What he had a dream, right? What was in the dream? To be like his like actual like physical dream, or like his like dream with like aspirations. Oh. Sorry, his actual physical dream. Oh, the rat tail. Of the and then he pulls it out of his mouth and kill him. And he was like, my blood is on your hands. Yes, he had a dream about the, because the missionary talked about these people um, in Papua New Guinea. People were so poor they were eating rats and that they needed Jesus too. So Bruce feels this need to go to indigenous people of other countries. He doesn't know what, when, where, how, why, any of that. But he still feels this prodding, right? That's why he became to Colombia, Venezuela in the first place, right? He's there to eventually meet some Indians. And... Um, that's where he feels that he is called with, did we write purpose up here at all yet? So with his purpose, oh, we have calls here. His, he thinks. We have new markers. We do. He's called to Indians, somewhere he thinks, and he keeps feeling that every so often he goes along. He has the he's. It's not like he's Jonah, right? He did a little bit of that where he's like, "Nah, I'm just gonna stay in college and do my other dream of learning languages." Right. <laughs> Not quite, right? But he could have stayed at college. 
he could have said, well, now I'm going to go to to Israel to learn Hebrew even better or whatever. He didn't do that. He said, okay, fine. I will go and I will figure something out with the Indians. And each step he takes a little bit more, right? He went with Mr. or Dr. Christian. Christian, right? Yes. I think so. And no, this is a guy, he's not a Christian. He's just a doctor that helps Native Americans. And he does meet other missionaries. Not, well, they are Native Americans. But yes, it helps the Indians. And um, so he's slowly making progress as he's trying to figure out exactly what this calling is. Um, and... You might, you will find this too as you go through life that just as Bruce experiences this, that you will see people who come in and out of your life. You're not going to just know and be around the same 20, 30, 50 people your entire life. Our world isn't like that. It may have been a little bit more like that one time, but people came in and out of your life through death at the very least. But now people move more often and just life leads you different places. And even through all this, when you are focused, if you are focused on following Jesus and his purpose, you will begin to see in the hindsight of looking back at your life that he sends people along that you need to fulfill that purpose that you are following. And sometimes those purposes overlap where you're both working towards the same thing. Sometimes those people don't care at all about your purpose. Look at Lucio. He cared nothing about the Indians. He thought it was dumb that Bruce was so hung up on the Indians. And he ends up saving Bruce's, I mean, it could have been saving his life, right? 103 temperature to begin with, could have gotten worse. 106 is where, I think that's where brain damage can start to begin. If you hang out there too long. Um, but we see that Lucio's, although not Bruce's main mission, but aside almost like a side quest for his life, is that he brings Lucio to know Christ through his main, through being so focused on this main mission that this Holy Spirit is prodding him with. And then we see that while he's there in Caracas, that he also meets Miguel, who is the, works at the Ministry of Health there, which is... Um, kind of like a hospital system for the town, for that city. And he asks Bruce, hey, you know English, would you come and teach English to everybody? Uh, or some of our people. He said, we'll pay you to do it. And he says, well, I don't have a visa, you can't pay me. I will be, I'll get deported because I can't legally work here. He says, don't worry, we'll pay you in advance, which basically means we will give you cash and no one will know that you were ever paid. So you won't get deported. So he has a way to make money and he has something to occupy him. And you think, 
If you look at that with a very black and white view, you say, well, that's not his mission at all. He's supposed to be going to the Indians. That's what God told him to do. Why is he teaching Spanish-speaking, regular Venezuelans how to speak English? But Bruce, you'll see, kind of, he had, lives out the way his philosophy for how to enact and trust God is to say, if God opens, you've probably heard this before, like if God opens a door, to go ahead and take it, to go through it, and to just trust God to bring things along for him. And he may not be thinking that for every single decision that he makes, but that's his overall philosophy is that I'm going, and then other times he will come up against something, almost literally like, do you all know the story of Balaam and the donkey in the Bible? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. What happens? The donkey started talking to him, right? Okay. Well, he's told that he is supposed to go and, um, well, he he's asked to go and curse the Israelites by an evil king. And Balaam says, God comes in a dream and says, don't go do that. You're not supposed to do that. And he does anyways because he wants the money. This evil king's going to pay him money. And on the way, Balaam is insisting on it. And his donkey crushes his leg up against one wall. Keep going along a little farther. The donkey crushes his leg up against the other. And then finally Balaam is beating the donkey saying, Come on, I want to go do this. Essentially, I'm going to make my will happen. And the donkey turns around and says, Why are you beating me? I'm just your good donkey. And there's an angel in front of the path with a sword and I'm not going any farther. And then Balaam can see it. Sometimes we try to do that and say, I'm going to go do this. This is why I think it is, even if it's not for a malicious reason. And finally God says, hey, wake up, open your eyes. That's clearly not what I have set out for you to do. And so Bruce has some moments like that that we will see. But along this way, and here's how you know that he was supposed to teach English for a while, because anybody who read the chapter, remember what does Miguel tell him about? It's a very short, like, three-sentence paragraph. Super important, though. He knows that Bruce is interested in Indians. He tells him about the Modalone Indians. Oh, yeah. He says, hey, he like calls him into his office. He says, hey, there's these Indians, the Modalone Indians. No one has ever seen how they lived. No one knows their language. No one has ever even been in one of their villages. Anytime anyone sets foot across their territory, they kill them. They've killed everyone who's ever come in contact with them. 
And that's kind of, at least as far as the book is concerned, that's all he says. He's like, okay, have a nice day. First of all, why would you tell a guy who's really interested in Indians that, hey, there's these Indians, you probably won't be interested in them. They'll kill you. Really just an odd thing, but something that God said, if I have him tell Bruce about these, this is going to get Bruce to think about them. And Bruce can't get them out of his mind. He is thinking um, and can't help it. We're going to go to page 54 in your book. <clears throat> and at the top of the page, uh, the first full paragraph there, it would have made sense to forget about the motor loans, but I couldn't. A gnawing, troubling curiosity grabbed me, and it wouldn't go away, no matter how good the arguments I used against it. What on earth can I do for a bunch of savage, primitive Indians, I asked myself. It didn't matter what I thought I could do. In my innermost self, somehow I knew that God wanted me to go to them. But I was afraid, and I tried to talk my way out of committing myself. I had forgotten how, guard, how hard God can make it on someone who won't do what he's told. I lost my ability to concentrate, to do anything but think about the motor loans. Even so, I wasn't going to go. I was sitting in the Ministry of Health one day, waiting to see an official, when a passerby tossed a newspaper onto the seat next to me. I glanced over at it. The word motolone caught my eye. I looked more closely. An article reported that an epidemic of measles was affecting a large number of motolones. An oil company employee had discovered more than 20 dead and deserted in one of their communal homes. His description of their rotting bodies was detailed and chilling. Somewhere inside of me, a cord snapped. What was I fighting against? Why the resistance? These people were in need. I had studied tropical medicine. I might be able to help. Okay. So, Bruce finds himself just inundated with the Holy Spirit, not allowing him to even think about anything else besides these Motolone Indians. And finally, he has all these reasons why he can't help when he sees that article where they need immediate physical help now, more than just spiritual help. And um, this reminded me of the book of Acts and Saul. You guys all know who Saul is? Yeah. The New Testament Saul? How much Saul is that? Is that the, the New Saul Testament that Saul. Is that the one with Damascus? The road to Damascus, yes. Yes, I know that. Alright. So chapter 9 of Acts. And this is Saul, um, who later becomes known as Paul, which you all know Paul, right? 
Okay. He wrote most of the New Testament. He um, was the up-and-coming to be the smartest, most intelligent, hardest-working rabbi that there ever was. And he watched Stephen be stoned to death for following Jesus. Held everyone's coats while they were stoning him. Watched Stephen give an amazing uh, sermon while he di- before he died. And while he died, watched him say that he could see Jesus sitting at the right hand of God. And that didn't shake him a bit. In fact, he said, yep, we need to kill more of these guys. We got to go out there and kill them. They're a problem. So... He's on his way, going to go more, kill more in Damascus. And as you know, he's traveling, um, uh, I think, I don't know if it says that, but at least in our minds, oftentimes, riding a donkey. And verse 4 now, we're going to pick up where right when a light from heaven shines down, and throws him on the ground. So Acts 9 verse 4 to 6. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It, it is hard for thee to kick against the and he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Okay. Anybody know what it means to prick, to kick against the pricks? Is it? Well, it's a Bible thing first. Yes. <laughs> Anyone know? Or do you want to take a guess? Guilty, something to do with guilty conscience. I don't know if they used it for a donkey. Specifically, yes, they used it for oxen. Oxen that were used for tilling the fields. Okay, so this is the interesting thing. It's a very good um, metaphor that Jesus uses here on many levels. So the first one is is that people when they were trying to get a ox to move ahead when it didn't want to is they have a long pole and they'd have like a nail needle type thing at the end of this pole and that was called a goad. Yes, I was just going to tell you, somebody killed someone with a goad once. So kind of like a spear, but not really. It's one verse. Yeah, he killed some amount of people with a stick. Yes, he did. It was with a goad. Yeah. So it's sharp, very sharp at one end. So what they'd use it for is you would poke the butt or the leg of that ox to get him to be like, oh, okay, I'm going forward. And Jesus says to him, 
everyone would have been familiar with this um, idea back then. He said, doesn't it hurt for you to kick that goad? So think about like a sewing needle and you to kick it like this. Kick right into a sewing needle. Would you do that? How much would I have to give you to do that? 50 bucks? Like really hard so the whole needle goes in your Oh, heel. okay, no, I wouldn't do it. 100 bucks? No. A thousand? Yeah. There's no money in giving you <laughs> Okay, honestly, if you and gave that, me a thousand dollars, I would. Well, and then what if I, you had to do it over and over and over? No, no, that might be what it feels like sometimes. But that's Jesus' point to Paul is he said, doesn't it hurt to keep kicking that? Why are you doing that? And the, here's the other part of that metaphor. What is the ox supposed to be doing that it's getting the goat? Walking. And by walking, it is plowing, plowing a field. Working for why are yes, and why are we? But why are we plowing a field? What are we going to do in that field? We're going to sow seeds, right? You all know the parable of the sowing of the seeds, which is a metaphor for spreading the gospel. So it's kind of a a deeper metaphor than just that why don't you just do what I tell you to do why don't you spread my word why aren't you doing my purpose that I have called you to do now I'm not having us look at this because I say that Bruce is somebody who's out there trying to kill people and God is then telling him stop killing people and said give the gospel to them but sometimes we can be like that where we are just in such strong rebellion that it takes a lot for us to, to kind of wake up. And it took a little bit. Bruce was struggling with it, going back and forth. But it took something that was an immediate danger for him to say, okay, I got to go and I got to go now. Um, part of that which Bruce has learned to do is to listen to the Holy Spirit okay I'm going to give you one example a real short one and this is a simple one that is um, more mundane okay do you know what mundane is like every day, like kind of boring, not so exciting as Paul's where he's killing people and then suddenly one day trying to save the same people he's killing, okay? This is a more small everyday one. When Levi and Amy and Sarah and I plan and think about and we discuss what we're going to do for the youth group. Some people here can tell you that we spend very long, laborious amounts of time sometimes doing this. I shouldn't say laborious. We have fun doing it. But we do spend a lot of time doing it. Um, and we do our best to be sensitive 
to what God wants us to do with the youth group. And to do that, we, um, because it's not like God just hands us an already printed schedule and we just follow it, okay? We have to try to figure out what's going to be good to do. And so to do that, we pray about it. We try to do all sorts of different stuff. We explore different ideas. We say, well, maybe that wouldn't be good for this year. Or, eh, I don't think that this group would like that. We have, and we go through all kinds of stuff like that. And I have learned personally that even when I think that an idea I have or someone else has is dumb, sometimes I think it's dumb, or I think that's boring, or it's a little weird. I have learned that sometimes God wants us to just try it. That I just need to get over my own ideas of what might be fun, or my own thoughts of what is cool, and maybe we should just try it. And some things that are in the moment decisions or that we don't put a lot of value in. It's sometimes there are things where we're like, well, we got three nights left. Come on, it's already 11 o'clock. At night, we got to figure out three more things to do. And we're like, ah, that's just a filler one. We'll put it in there. We'll do that. We'll see how that goes. Sometimes those are the best ones. And we didn't put a lot into it, but we're trusting on God to fill in where we fail. Most recently, you guys were all there Sunday. Did you all pay attention to the announcements? Yeah. Did you all hear what um, Pat Morris said? Yeah, I couldn't be there. It's okay. It's okay. We came up with cookie night, and we thought, eh, this group will probably have fun with it. I guess that's all we'll do that night. I don't know. Maybe people will like getting cookies. But you don't know what God is planning, what else he knows is going to happen. You don't know what he can do with something that is little and simple like that. So... I say that to say that part of that is being, because that one wasn't anything special that we did. Usually it's not. But being willing to allow the Holy Spirit to guide you, spending time praying in his word, and building that relationship with God is how you can know when to allow him to work. So... Bruce, back to Bruce's story, he's known that it's been all about the Indians, right? He's made some sudden decisions, which have worked out good. But a lot of it has been a lot of him sitting in a room all day with nothing to do. Right? How many times has that happened already? A lot. A lot of nothing. It's a process. Sometimes following God's plan is not always exciting. Sometimes it's slow. It's mundane. But then 
it's all of a sudden crazy and exciting. Like when he sees that newspaper and he says, I'm going to go to the jungle. And how does he know that when he sees that newspaper that this is God telling him he should go and that that lady that's on the bus that says, don't you go to those Indians, they're going to kill you. And that lady's not God talking to him. How does he know what is what? He just hmm? knows. Okay, that can sometimes be the case. One thing that can help him discern is that he knows he's supposed to go to the Indians, right? Over and over he's had things along the way. But another part of that, as silly as it sounds, but it... In as woo-woo as it sounds, it is a feeling that you have from the Holy Spirit. But it, the only way that you can discern if that's just your emotions or really the Holy Spirit is spending more and more time with God improving this here that, um, that he's going to work all things together for good. All right, you have to trust that and prove that to yourself because where we are quick to ha lack faith, faith in him. So, he goes to the jungle. If you haven't read it yet, you'll just have to read it. He does a lot of dumb stuff. He leaves with no plan, really. He gets lost right away, it gets dark, and he basically is like, well, I just have to lay down where I am because I have no idea where I am in the jungle. He has no can opener for all the cans of food that he brought. Breaks his knife trying to open them up. Sucks the juice out of the one hole that he can get. He, hold on, I got some other stuff here. He has no warm clothes. Didn't realize it gets cold in the jungle at night. Which, I mean, honestly, I would have made all the same mistakes because I've never been in the jungle before, right? And all those things, and you say, well, maybe he, God doesn't want him to go to the Indians right now. No. But he survived. God makes sure that he makes it through, and he does meet some Indians who, to him, try to kill him. Later on, he finds out that there are just, um, at the very least, didn't care if he died, are just kind of messing with him, but shooting arrows at him nonetheless. And to top it off, he finds out that these Indians are not the Modalums. These are the Yuko Indians. You'll have to read the chapter. There's more in there to it. But all of this, you're saying, well, maybe, I guess he wasn't supposed to go. But you'll see as we go through the book that this is just God preparing him. This is almost like a training camp 
before he gets to the Modalone Indians. Because it's going to be even harder when he gets to the Modalones. So, just um, keep that in mind that God's plan sometimes, you don't know what the future is. It can be mundane. It can be really exciting. But the key is to constantly be building that relationship with Jesus to be able to be sensitive to what his plan is. For next week, read chapters 10 through 12. Okay, three more chapters. Yep. And we'll see what happens next. Thank you.